We're in the middle of a pandemic, so how about we talk about joy? Let's balance out our experience a little bit. There isn't a time that's only filled with suffering. All times have suffering and joy. It's the nature of experience that in any given moment, every possible experience is there. So this is not a time of pervasive suffering. There is suffering, yes, of course. But it's also a time of joy. So how do we get some of that joy in our experience? I'm going to talk about a few different strategies for this today. And the first one is to suffer better. (laughs) So since most of us are tuned into suffering right now, I thought I would turn the radio dial over to suffering and we could start there. The key to experiencing joy in a time of suffering is to suffer better. So what does that mean? It means that suffering is a naturally arising part of the human experience. So there is no sense whatsoever in trying to get rid of suffering altogether. There is no place that you can go. There is no zip code where you could rent an apartment or build a house where there would be no suffering. It won't, can't be like that. So since we know we're going to have suffering, let's figure out a way to do it well. What would that mean? Let's say, for example, that you're lonely. Usually, if we have an experience like loneliness, most of us would categorize that experience as unpleasant. And so the general category of reaction to that would be aversion. I don't like it. Therefore, I don't want it. And therefore, I am triggered into executing some habituated pattern. I might eat more. I might work more. I might lean into some of the good or bad habits that I have. But whatever I'm doing, I'm doing to try to lift myself up out of loneliness. And so an alternative strategy and one that would more likely produce joy is to actually just sit down and get present with what's happening. And so if you're lonely, just sit down on the couch and drop all forms of strategizing and rest your awareness on the experience of being lonely. Now, maybe that doesn't sound so good to you. Maybe you think, I don't really like the experience of being lonely. I have a whole list of 10 things that I do. I go to a movie. I go out to dinner, I call a friend, I buy something new. Those strategies, I call those strategies resources, those are great to have. But the way to really diminish the experience of loneliness is to get to know it for what it is. And there are so many levels on which we can do this. One is just by resting our attention on the experience of the body and the mind of loneliness. Because loneliness is the truth of what's happening right now. So there's a kind of authenticity that we experience. Oh, this is my mind. Lonely. I see. And you notice a few key things about loneliness when you do this, which maybe are helpful. One of the most important things that you notice is that loneliness is, like all feelings that arise, like all experiences that arise, completely and totally impermanent. 
Loneliness appears to exist over a period of an hour, a day, a week, a month, a year, a lifetime, because we never just sit down and get close to it. And so what we experience is a series of one or two or 10 or 20 or 20,000 events that are triggered by that initial lonely feeling. It's as though we have gone to war with our loneliness so we can fight as long as we want. But that whole thing isn't that original loneliness. In fact, the original loneliness probably lasted less than one minute if we had just sat there with a still mind one minute later, maybe even less, maybe even seconds later, we would not be lonely. The loneliness continues because we pour gasoline on the experience. It's as though we, we put fuel on the ground. There's a tiny little fire, one inch high, called loneliness. And we put fuel on the ground in a hundred different places. And so now we have a hundred little fires that join together and make this giant bonfire of loneliness. So that's an experiment. I don't want you to take my word for it. I want you to just try the next time you have a feeling that you would categorize as suffering. Just stop. Notice it in your body. Notice it in your thought. Notice the tendency to want to put a storyline behind it and just rest in the actual feeling. And if you do this deeply, you will discover it isn't inherently an experience of suffering to feel loneliness. In fact, the non-thinking mind won't even know loneliness. Loneliness is an idea that's so far removed from that original feeling. So let go of the story. Just The story will come up, but just let it slide from between your fingers off into the great sky and just feel the feelings underneath that. And I think you will see that the feelings themselves have no particular quality. You can experience them, but they aren't inherently negative or positive. So that's one thing you can try. If you're looking for more joy, there's also a, a wonderful practice called the Four Immeasurables. You may have also heard them called the Brahma Viharas, the four highest qualities of the heart or the four immeasurable emotions that gets um, talked about by all those names in Buddhism. We really like to talk about three of those immeasurables, loving kindness, which is the wish for happiness, for ourself and other people, and compassion, which is the wish that ourselves and others not suffer, and equanimity, which is this embracing of all things in equal measure. But the fourth one, um, and when I say fourth, I'm not implying order, but just it's the fourth one I'm talking about here. The fourth one, sympathetic joy, is a little bit different. So of course we don't want people to suffer. Of course we want them to be happy. Of course we, we resonate with being able to embrace all things in equal measure. But it's not that easy to embrace sympathetic joy. Sympathetic joy means I see someone else having happiness 
and I rejoice. I feel joy at their joy. Their joy is my joy. That's complicated. Who hasn't had the feeling of seeing someone else have joy and immediately noticed that I feel jealous or I feel angry or I feel catapulted into a sense of why not me? When will it be my turn? Why do we not honestly go to I am so happy that you are happy. I know that you want to be happy just like I want to be happy and now you are. And so we're both happy at the same time. Why is that not our first response? Part of it, I think, is that we secretly think, though I don't think anyone would confess to this intellectually, but I think that we secretly think slash feel that joy is limited that happiness is limited. And so there's some great ball of happiness in the universe. And our job in our life is to carve off little pieces of that for ourselves. And so the name of the game that we play is to try to get as much as possible for ourselves. And so when we see someone else having some, we feel like it is taken away from our pool of joy. This is totally not how it works. Totally not true. There is no limit to joy in the universe. None. So we really don't need to define our territory of joy and colonize it and try to defend it in the hopes that no one else will take some of it away. It doesn't need to work like that. So how do you practice this or how do you cultivate the ability to have sympathetic joy? I think the first thing that you do is you notice how it's not there. Without any judgment or commentary, you just go around for a week and notice when other people get how you regret that they get or how it triggers rather than joy. It instantly triggers a sense of lack inside yourself. And I would just notice that it will not help to judge or to comment or to analyze. I would just notice all of the ways that you constrict your own access to joy. And then I would probably move to a kind of neutral relationship to joy. I would just begin to notice, and in some ways this is a gratitude practice, I would begin to notice all the joy that is available to you that has been there that you've been not noticing for a long, long time. So for example, you get in the shower and you're having a nice hot shower and while you're there, you start thinking about being at work. And when you get to work, you're in a nice work environment, but you don't think about being in that nice work environment. You think about going home and all the things you need to do on the way home. So wherever you are throughout your day, you're having access to joy, but you're missing it because you aren't present with what's happening right here, right now in this moment. So how do you practice with that? Well, aside from noticing that you do that and not judging or making comments or analyzing about why it is that you do this. Just decide 
to pause in awareness throughout the day in experiences and enjoy the experiences of joy that you have. So for example, you're taking a shower. Let yourself be there. Feel the hot water. It's hot. It's clean. You didn't have to carry it. Have that joy. Feel the muscles in the back of your neck. Relax. Have that joy. Hear the sound of the water falling. Have that joy. <laughs> you, you can have a hundred joys before you finish your shower. You could also have that same shower and not experience any of those joys. So really, this is up to you. It's a matter of mindfulness. And by mindfulness, I don't mean some complicated thing you need to try to do or some special mind state. I mean just being where you are, doing what you're doing, and not leaving the scene of that field of joy. If you leave home to go to work and someone gives you a hug or a kiss on the way out, I mean, this is a pandemic. You might not have a hug or a kiss till you get home. So be there for it. And if you notice that you're thinking about something else, that you've disembodied during that moment of joy, then come back. And maybe you get half a kiss in that case, but <laughs> you don't want to miss the half a kiss, right? So that's the second kind of joy that you can get. The first one was to suffer well, and the second one is to work on sympathetic joy and hidden in that one was to be present for the joy that you have. A third source of joy that's always available to us, even in the time of pandemic, is the inherent joy in being immersed in any experience so, for example, when we sit meditation and we put mind on the breath, the breath really is pretty not exciting. It's a little boring. And yet, if you sit in meditation, and you'll recognize this if you've done it, and you put your awareness on the breath, if you can really settle on the breath, there's an experience of joy there. It's, uh, I don't know that I would use the word joy necessarily, but it's some kind of satisfaction, relaxation, something open, something soft, something good. So joy. And this comes, it doesn't matter what the experience is. You can be drinking a hot cup of coffee and you can notice the heat of the cup in your hands and the taste of the coffee and the understanding that that coffee came to you from a thousand, thousand different things coming together in the experience of the universe. The farmer, the sun, the water, the earth, the person who picked it, the person who transported it and processed it, and all of the thousand things that had to happen to you happened for you. And you can just enjoy that. And then there's all the sensory joy. 
that the smell of coffee, if you like it, the feeling of coffee, the fact of coffee, you could say, when we attend to that fully in a deep way, is very pleasurable. So that's the third way of having joy. Generally speaking, when we're looking for joy, what we do is we look outside of ourself. So I will create a little joy for myself by watching a movie on Netflix, for example. Or I will go online and buy something new, or I will download a new novel, and all of those things do bring happiness. But there's also this other entire universe of joy that's available to us when we switch our quest for happiness from looking outside to looking inside. Really, our nature is abiding joy. That's all it is, this kind of love-joy combination. This wisdom-love-joy combination. And it's like a pot that boils constantly. It's never not there. But what happens is it gets obscured by so many things gets obscured. So when we sit down in meditation and we just rest the mind, thoughts may come and go and feelings may come and go and sensations in the body may come and go. But if you're resting there, just not grasping or not closing the heart to whatever's happening, there will be a sense of joy because that's who we are and that's what we're made of. And you can actually experience that ocean of joy by letting go of all of the things that we habitually do that obstruct that joy. So the joy is in the sitting with awareness and doing nothing. Doing nothing to our experience, just the pure witnessing of experience. You can try that yourself and see whether or not that's joyful for you. So those are four things that we can do. We can suffer well. We can be mindful of our experience and immerse ourselves in it. We can cultivate sympathetic joy, which is the joy for others. And we can look inside ourself and train our awareness on there, on this ever-present, always-available ocean of joy. And the way that we do that is we just attend to experience arising without doing anything at all to that experience. Try those four. See if one of them feels most appealing to you. See if joy arises. Let's have a talk about this in our Monday night meditation group. Thank you.